tax season is here, and most employers are required by the IRS to file information returns. An information return is a mandatory form, such as a 1099-NEC or a W-2, that is used to notify the IRS and taxpayers about taxable income. E-File for Biz makes it easy to file and deliver 1099 and W-2 forms online. Their easy-to-use interface helps you file forms in just minutes. You can enter your data manually or import from Excel, QuickBooks, and Xero. Enter your data and e-file for biz processes, prints, mails, and files 1099 and W-2s for you. Easy! Get all-inclusive e-file services quickly, efficiently, and securely with e-file for biz today. It is free to try. Only pay when you're ready to file. Visit now, www.efileforbiz.com. That is the letter E, the word file, the number four, and biz with a Z as in zebra, Com. Yeah, and he and he starts off the class, and he's very intense individual, more yep. intense than me. And and but if you looked at him, he was a short guy. He was a school teacher during the day. You I would never you. know he was this amazing martial artist. He said to me, he goes, "A man, he's in the field. He's cutting rice all day long, early in the morning, late at night. Is he happy or is he sad?" And I said, well, he's probably sad. He's probably frustrated. And that's all he does. And he goes, wrong. See, he doesn't look at it as work. He looks at it as training. So this interview is with Mike Aglario, also Aguilario. Uh, he is the founder of CEO Warrior. He owned a company before this called Gold Metal Service. I'll tell you, this guy is fascinating. Um, I think it, to me, it points to just the the raw power of drive and with the right determination with relentless determination, you can achieve anything. At least that's what I discovered. I want to know what you just discovered too. So listen in. Your first business was in a van down by the river. Yeah. Effectively. How did you become an electrician? How did it get started? I went to a vocational school back in 1984 and a vocational school they run you through a bunch of trades like carpentry and i couldn't stand sawdust uh they ran you through uh welding and i didn't quite understand somebody sitting there doing that and then eventually electrical i was intrigued because it was like the only thing that could kill you and i thought that was like really cool so that's why i chose it yeah and just so not everyone on this podcast will know you you know, you, you've had, you're a tough guy. Like you don't F with Mike. Um, you're a, a triple black belt. I don't even know what the category is. What, what eighth, black belt? Eighth degree. Eighth degree, which means you just look at someone and then they're dead. That's it. Pretty close. I remember once, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. You said you were at a concert or something and you went to the bathroom um, really just looking for a brawl. Like, like that was some of the kind of the, the experiences you had, like, like fighting was a, a form, an outlet for you almost. Yeah. True? Yeah. And I don't tell that story too much, but you know, when you're on your own, really, really young, you only learn one thing, survival and fight. Yeah. That's it. That's who you, that's who you become. Like what people see me as today, they see me as this, oh, wow, he's an intense guy and he's smart. But like, they didn't see me when I was young when like, I didn't really like anybody. Like the world was against me, you know? Yeah, so you, know, you it was fully within your right because I, I know your background, uh, what you experienced. I know your, your father wasn't there for a, a very long period of your life in the beginning. Um, 
you have all the right to express that in anger. Um, yeah. but, but you channeled it to some, you know, one of the extreme successes in this planet, on this planet. How do you channel anger into output? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you're right, because when I was young, you know, my parents went through a bad divorce. Uh, my, my father found a, a, a new wife. That's always fun times. So um, he was there, but he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't talk to my mom for like nine years. So it created a lot of state of confusion. You know, here's the deal. I started martial arts and I found out that there was these warriors out there hmm. that went through what I went through, but now they were wise. And they took me under their wing and they were a lot tougher than me. And I went to go start training martial arts because I actually got beat up by five gang members in high school. They were waiting for me one morning and they like held me against the wall and just beat the crap out of me. And, you know, I was bloody lip all afternoon. They didn't break me, but they hurt me really bad. Yeah. I made a commitment that day that that won't happen. So I ended up in this martial arts world where it was old school then, you know, it was like a young guy like me comes in and they're going to, they're going to show you first who the real warrior is. Okay. And then they're going to do their best to beat sense into you. And through time, I'll say I kind of went from uncivilized to civilized, right? From savage into I, I became tough, but I became tough in a different way, tougher with my mind and tougher understanding life, you know? Well, here's my observation for you, because I've known you since then, not during that. You command respect in a room without needing to flex a muscle, without needing to show a single tattoo, without people knowing your backstory. You have an air of, it's not even confidence, it's, it's a control over the environment. Is, is that what you're talking about when it comes to this mental yeah, because when, and, and I'm a big advocate on martial arts, as, as people listening will know, I believe if there's one thing every human should do, I believe it's martial arts, because there's, there's nothing that I know of that, that builds discipline, focus, respect for yeah. other people. And, and through that, I started to learn that you didn't have to go, you know, if you go back when I was 15 and 16, when, when I, I, well, I, been with my beautiful goddess of a wife since we're 15. Like I wore a chain wallet, you know, guinea tea, tattoo, big afro. Like what's up? What's everybody looking at? You know? <laughs> and, but that only gets you to one level of success over time. And as I went from one instructor to another instructor, I spent 19 years with one instructor, Chris Rossman, and he really took me and showed me what focus really was and what this and what compassion was. And over time I started to say, you know what? You don't need force to get what you want. You just need understanding. Oh, I love that. So you, back to this vocational school, you, you go to vocational school. I, I wonder if the, the, it won't kill me is kind of a call to arms because you're a combative guy. You pick uh, electrical work. Did you start a business right after school? Yeah, actually, I started a business with my brother when, before I even graduated. That was a family business. It didn't quite uh, work out. Yeah. And then I graduated in 1988. And then I did a couple years working for people. And by 1994, I started what was called Gold Medal Service with my business partner, Rob. Oh, I didn't realize you started in 94. My yeah. gosh. I was just getting out of college at that time. So you start Gold Medal Service. And uh, this is you and Rob driving in a van, doing the work yourself. Used van, going out there, selling electrical work. 
Um, but I was already brave, like, cause of everything I went through, like yeah. I knew that I would get jobs. I just didn't know how to grow a company. So it was just me and him. And, and a lot of people get it wrong, Mike, because you know, they, they know that we grew a big company. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But like when it was just me and him in the beginning, I loved that, that too. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was just, it was warrior through and through. I mean, we'd work till midnight, two in the morning. I mean, it was like, just grind it out. And like, it was just another battle to win. It was a blast. I love my, I love Mike that you have this identity you lean into warrior because so many people would see working till two o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's, it's, it's maybe hustle and grind, but for many of us that becomes wearing and that's clearly blue collar and you should be doing something better. Like, I think there's a, a very negative perception around that kind of work ethic, but yeah. you're seeing it as a warrior. Is it, is this a common identity you have that, that even the tough stuff is actually better or good for you? Yeah, my instructor changed my life so many times. I'm going to give you a nugget he gave me one night. Yeah. It was just me and him training. It was like one of those nights where uh, no other students showed up. So you think that's a gift, but you're 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 scared shit because like you don't know what's going to happen. It's right. just, just going to kick your ass. Yeah, and he and he starts off the class and he's very intense individual, more yeah. intense than me. And and but if you looked at him, he was a short guy. He was a school teacher during the day. You I would never you. know he was this amazing martial artist. He said to me, he goes. A man, he's in the field, he's cutting rice all day long, early in the morning, late at night. Is he happy or is he sad? And I said, well, he's probably sad. He's probably frustrated and that's all he does. And he goes, wrong. See, he doesn't look at it as work. He looks at it as training. Mm. And like, I got chills talking about it now. Changed my life forever of the definition of mm. every single thing you do. Is it work? Or is it training? Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that. I love that. So is everything you do training? Is it always training? Yeah, except I'm very careful when I uh, put that towards like my wife and stuff. Because sometimes <laughs> she's like, don't treat me like a I'm not a job. You know what I mean? I'm not a job. But yes, in my perspective, everything's training. I mean, I think you have children. I have children. I mean, you don't know what you're doing. It's just training. You're doing yeah. the very best you can and you're learning from it. So I believe... Everything every day is just another form of training. You know what's so funny, Mike? I, I interviewed JJ Virgin. Do you know her? Yeah. Yeah, you know JJ. So um, I interviewed her a couple of weeks back, and uh, her son. This is many years ago, but her sixteen-year-old son was in a hit-and-run accident. He was a pedestrian. On the he had a, they said point two five percent chance of surviving, and he survived. But wow. she's in the hospital room, and she's like, "I had to get to work." First serving him, and she was when I had to wait because there were certain times I had to work work. What's interesting I find is behind people that have successful outcomes, however they define successful outcomes, seem that that when the the grind happens, when the darkest moments happen, they don't wallow. They channel that fear or frustration toward a productive output. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, you you could take that anger and just gone and join a gang and beat up other gangs. But you channel that into martial arts. You channel the martial arts into becoming an electrician that's working until two o'clock in the morning. And then you channel it to this wildly successful business. Is that is that the pattern? Yeah. See, I think a lot of people, especially with today, what people are dealing with, they look and all they see is darkness. Yeah. And I just look deeper to see where the light is on the other side of the dark, because there's always light on the other side of the dark. And, but I will tell you something funny, Mike, um, my senior year of graduation, uh, 
a bunch of the people, gang members that beat me up, they were dating this other girl where they were there senior year, but now I was training for four years. And I remember uh, after graduating, walking by and looking at him and saying, now what? Because I was a different human then than I was in the beginning. See, in the beginning, I didn't know. Yeah. In the end, once I had a level of confidence and understanding, I was already training for four years. It was not a challenge to him. It was a mutual understanding that that won't ever happen to me in life again. And I think if you, if, if people can embrace that, what happened to them, now I'll go into training just to prepare so that never happens to me again. Yeah. That's the way. Martial arts is, is the way of living. It's a way yeah. of life, right? It's what they call the, the dough, right? It's this way of being. And it, it just um, it, it creates an identity in you to make you just focused on change, you know? What is interesting is, is that in some regards, it was a gift to get beat up by that guy. Oh, 100% was a gift. I, I would never – look, I, I'm always careful. My wife and I were talking about this the other day when you ask people, like, what would you change? And they go – absolutely nothing. No, there's a lot of stuff I would change in my life that I just wish never happened. Um, I think in this phrase, I didn't make up this phrase. I've heard it before. You know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. Right. And I'm a believer that's one of those, those times, because if that didn't happen, uh, the biggest time people quit martial arts is white belt and black belt. Another thing my instructor said, which I think applies to whoever's listening here, he said, you know, the difference between uh, someone who trains and a master is not who trains today or tomorrow. It's who trains a lifetime and mm. 35 years for me. And I've never stopped training. And because I believe that mastery is not a finish line, it's being better tomorrow than you were today. Mm. Mm. That's fascinating. So tell me now, you're, you and Rob are, you're loving the work you're doing. You're working hard. I presume you're making pretty good money um, as electricians. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hear our story of what we built and I think they're confused that like when we were just me and him in a truck, well, we must've been broke. Cause most people that are stuck in a truck, they're broke. And I'm not saying it to brag, but back then Rob and I, me, him, a couple helpers, we were bringing home probably 150 grand a year each back then. Yeah. That's fortunes of money today. This yeah. fortunes of money. And today you got people that are making 10 times the money and they're, they're not even making a 16th of that. So yeah. like we were working hard, but we were making an amazing living in our, in our twenties. That's unbelievable. So then, so then why change? Like you're on, you know, not easy street, but gosh, you're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's why you change. And, um, the, the first reason why you change is this. I'm getting ready to have a kid right. and I'm literally running from the job into the delivery room. Oh, oh literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally going from like a job to the delivering room, I'm having a baby, yeah, having a baby. And, and then what happens is, um, I go home that night and I'm putting a rocking chair, uh, together. And I put it, I'm at home. My wife's in the hospital. I put this rocking chair together. You know, one of the gliders, because my wife's going to breastfeed. You know, yeah. it moves. I finish putting together. Mike, I sit in the rocking chair, and I break down crying. Mm-hmm. And the reality that I have, I could feel it like I'm sitting there today, was I'm going to be just like my dad. I'm going to work, mm-hmm. and I'm going to miss a lot of very important time with my kid. And this is what... 
my dad trained me to be a worker. He trained me to be a leader. He was just a strong Italian man. Yeah. What he didn't know, because he just did what his father did. Right. He didn't train how to be smarter and not miss um, valuable time. And like he didn't, he wasn't able to teach that. He didn't have a skill set. And in that moment of reality, on the same time, and you know, when you're doing this, time blurs. My partner came in around the same time one morning and he says, I'm out. And I said, oh, I thought he had a case of the craps because we, yeah. we used to eat off the lunch truck all the time. So I'm thinking, he's probably, oh, okay, I said, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, I figured he got yeah, 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 yeah. And he goes, no, I'm out. I can't do it no more. I'm burnt out. I'm fatigued. My knees are bad. And this is all happening around the same time of having kids and stuff. And we worked a couple of days and we got back together. And I said to him, uh, we met a couple of days later. I said, I have a plan. What if we just need to find somebody to help us? Maybe we just don't know how to do this. And that started this whole new quest of fear and bravery. Mm. And so tell me what is, what is this quest yeah. fear versus bravery? Fear is you're going to learn from somebody, but in your mind, you think, you know, all the things that you need to do. Like you think you have answers cause you've been doing it, but now you're going to pay somebody to teach you and you don't have money to afford this. We didn't yeah. have, like we were making money, but you, to throw three, five, 10 grand to learn, we didn't right. have that. Right. And, and then, so there's fear, but then there's excitement like, well, wow, what could life look like? And so I just tell everybody, like, we walked to the edge of a cliff. Yeah. On the other side was a platform. And we looked at each other and said, well, we were, we felt like we were dying anyway. There's a difference between making money and still feeling like you're dying, right? <laughs> it felt like we were burning out. Yeah. And we jumped and guess what? We landed on our feet. We didn't die. Yeah. We went and we learned and we got really brave. And I know people will hear this and they're like, we took our credit card. I still don't know why American Express let us put the money on the card that we did. Like I started marketing and I went from like $500 ad in the yellow pages to within a couple months, 40,000 a month. My gosh. I, because now I was just like, well, I think I know everything. Let's just do this. Yeah. And we just created this momentum of moving forward and look i got punched in the face plenty of times along the way but man it started to work out because guess what what i found out is there's not a lot of brave people in the world today there wasn't mm -hmm. then either mm -hmm. there was not a lot of brave people you know what's interesting um is i think american express and their contemporaries you know visa mastercard they fund a lot of business successes i i would dare say they fund more business misery uh, because people don't know how to manage it. So you start rolling, you know, you start rolling the dice a little bit here. What, what did you do to transition from doing the work to now designing a business? Yeah. Well, I started training under a whole lot of people and they started talking to me about the difference between sales, operation, leadership, marketing. Yeah. And I didn't understand how all these pieces went together. But there, there is a formula out there to build a business. There, there really is. And so once I understood the formula of, look, it's not really much more complicated than have a marketing vehicle, have somebody see it, and then have them want to buy from you, and then do a good job finishing it, and then they pay you and tell other people. I mean, is it really harder than that? It's, it's not. 
And so once I started to learn that, I just said, well, wait a second, let me think of some. I bet what we have to focus on is everybody wants to buy the most credible source. That's what they want. If you have a choice between your doctor, I would say this, is Dr. Phil the best doctor in the world? No, but he makes a lot more money than your doctor probably, <laughs> right? So yeah. I said, well, wait, what, what do we do to become the most credible source? So we started to make sure that we've became this voice of back then the electrical industry. And we were brave because we were taking on companies that have been around for 40 years. Yeah. And, you know, if I didn't have the martial arts training, I mean, I had one time we were doing a job and, and we had a picket line. We were a small company and they picketed us, the union. And I was like, what? I said, we're just trying to make a living. And they're like, not here, you're not. And I remember just being so brave walking through the picket line because at that point, like, what were they going to do? I've been beat up already. Yeah. And, and telling them like, no, no, we're not going to stop here. We're going to keep working. Like you're not going to affect our livelihood. And so it became this mission of like bravery, doing more marketing is bravery for a lot of people watching this, getting and doing a live video on social media. It's bravery. It's bravery. Everything comes down to that bravery. I, I want to tell people what, what this culminates. And then I want to jump back. Cause I, I don't yeah. know if people understand, like, this isn't like you grew a little, you know, two or $3 million business yeah. before you sold Gold medal. What was your last year in revenue? 30, 32 million. We had uh, million. <laughs> 165 trucks running all over New Jersey. You live in New Jersey. Yeah. And we had 200 employees. We ran them out of a 15,000 square foot building. I still own the building. And over that 10 year period, we did $200 million. Oh, 200 million. And you were wholly acquired. Uh, basically, you, it was a turnkey sale of the business. And they still rent the property from you. At least last time I drove over the turnpike. Forty billion dollar company bought us, and yeah. that's not impressive. I think what might impress some people is we signed our name and we walked out the next day. We never yeah. went back. That's unbelievable. It's that unbelievable. doesn't happen. No, no. Particularly in a service based business. Particularly where the owners are so actively involved. It, it, you know, you think the business owners carrying the business on their back and they leave the business crumbles. You made it so turnkey it didn't need you, yeah. which increases the value. But I started start off with marketing. I remember you and I, actually two experiences. Once we were just having lunch and you started telling the story about when you were having lunch at some restaurant and <laughs> you were able to get a sign at the entrance of the restaurant. Yeah, Applebee's. Yeah, Applebee's. Tell me the Applebee's story again. Yeah. This is unbelievable. Yeah. So we, were, we used to go eat at Applebee's a couple times a week because it was right around the corner from our shop. And one day the manager came over and he, he went to check on us. And he said, how's everything going? I said, good. I said, there's only one problem. And he said, uh, what's the problem? I said, there's not a picture of my company in your foyer when you walk in. <laughs> and, he, and I was so serious when I said it. And he said, uh, oh, well, you should get one. And I said, oh, okay. So I immediately called the office and I said, get a picture, put it in a frame and call me. Get here in five minutes. They ran all around the building. They got, uh, they ripped a picture off the wall, took the <laughs> thing out, put a picture of our company and came over. And then I said, uh, I called the manager and I said, hey, can I show you something? He said, yeah. So I went in the, in the lot, right when you walk in Applebee's in Milltown, New Jersey. And I said, uh, I have the picture, a screw gun and a big three inch drywall screw, right? And I go, um, <laughs> How's this? And I hold it when you walk in the door, right center of your eye, right there is the spot. I said, how's this? And he starts going like, uh, and I said, okay. And I put it in. <laughs> and, and I said, I stood back and I said, 
this looks great, doesn't it? And he goes, yes, it does. And I said, thank you. I'll never forget this. And it was there for about probably seven years. It stayed there, right there. And it had, it had gold medal service on it. It had the, a picture of the Hulk. It was our whole company with all our employees and the our big building sign. It was everything right there. Unbelievable. What I've learned from you, Mike, is that when opportunity strikes, you strike as fast, if not faster than the opportunity. There's another story you shared, you shared that you were caring for someone's lawn and you asked about putting a lawn sign up and oh, it yeah. becoming a billboard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happened was the customer wanted a, a discount and my employee called me and look, I don't think there's some people that ask for discounts because they're trained to do it. Yeah. And some people really need a discount because they just can't afford it. Yeah. And this was one of those cases. So I said to the guy, um, well, where does she live? And she lived on the corner of a big highway. Her yard was. And I said, okay, well, what do you think we could do? And I trained, I mean, I had 200 of the best employees in the world, best in the world, hands down. And uh, I said to him, well, what can we do? He goes, well, she's got a big highway here. We could put a yard sign. So he said to Mr. Jones, he says, uh, hey, we're just going to put a little, uh, a little yard sign up yeah. there, right? You're, and then and we listen to the audio. The hand gesture you made is like a six yeah. by six. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It, yeah. it was probably four foot by almost six foot. My and gosh. he goes, that wouldn't be a problem. So we saved her a bunch of money. Immediately called, I said, get four by four posts, get sacrete, get everything, <laughs> get the sign. Two hours later, there they are, post hole digging in the ground. And they got the big-ass sign there. It might even still be there today, that sign. My God. And what's the, I mean, look, we saved her maybe $500, but that yeah. sign has been there probably nine years getting exposure on a main highway. And she loved us. And look, we were always loyal and loyal. I mean, Applebee's, we kept going there and eating. Right. You know, right. this woman, we were loyal to her. That's one thing. If you want to go back to the martial arts, man, a code of honor this what they call a budo and yeah. loyalty is everything in that world you know i'm so happy you shared that because that's one thing i was gonna bring up if you didn't mention it is that you asked boldly you did boldly and then you cared for those people boldly forever tell me um about this concept of uh, radio i can't remember if you call them radio silos but you would basically target a community and you you would market to them so that they'd always see your message regardless if they're coming in or out of their own community. Could you tell me, is this strategy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we call it market domination silo. And what we would do is we would circle a circumference on the map and say, okay, that's who we want everybody to know us, every right fit. So we would look at how people would actually leave in the morning to go to work what back roads, what major highways. We would look at what they would maybe listen to, what they would watch. Um, and we would just say to ourselves, how many vehicles of attack could we put in there? Yard signs. We would play on the radio station we knew they listened to on the TV. And we would buy it as smart as we could to do it for what we could afford. But we knew that, see, if, I mean, if you go back, Mike, probably me and you back in years and years ago, yeah. for someone to buy you, they had to see you seven times, 10 times, whatever. Yeah. Today? probably got to see you 40 times maybe 50 mm, because mm. i mean i mean how does i mean how many times did any of you listen to this or watching this uh touch your iphone today how many impressions do you think you're reading today it's yeah it's a good thousand point. times more so what i needed to do was plant all these little seeds you know got junk um cameron harold really good guy uh he worked at and helped bill got junk one of their greatest strategies were just parking their trucks in major areas where people would see it all the time yeah that's all we wanted when before i was able to 
afford billboard signs. You know what I did, Mike? I went on eBay and I found a sign truck. Okay. 34,000. That's all it was back then. You know, 34,000. It was big. It was like a 12 foot by 16 or 17 foot truck that you could put vinyl on it. Yeah. And I bought that thing. And guess what? I just created a moving uh, billboard. I couldn't afford the three. I said three, four thousand for a billboard there. I'll just buy it. Now, guess how cool this was. I hired a retired guy and I said, here's what you're going to do today. The radio station is going to be at the diner down there. Go park the sign truck there. Go get yourself a pork roll, egg and cheese. That's what you get in New Jersey, right? Tell them to well, Taylor toast Ham, the of roll. course, but yeah. Okay, Taylor Ham, toast the roll, throw a little fresh mozzarella in that thing. <laughs> and I said, sit in the parking lot and eat it real slow, okay? And, and so we had this big billboard that would just travel all the time. It just comes down to, like, marketing is is thinking different than everybody else. It know? totally is. And, and I think it's also – I think we're so afraid of the rules that don't even exist. Like you can't, there's always this, you can't do that. You can't ask that woman to put a billboard up, but yeah. that rule doesn't even exist. No, like I was just thinking, and I was talking to another friend of ours, Robin Robbins, just the other day. I love her. He yeah. did an amazing talk on this Barnum and Bailey um, uh, conversation she did at her one event. I heard it was fascinating. And I was just telling my clients the other day, you know, today so many people are home that to get there, I, I like want you to go see if you could rent an elephant and just walk it down the highway. Yeah. Yeah, the cops are going to come, maybe put a mask on the elephant or something. Who knows? <laughs> but like just walk an elephant down the turnpike or something, right? Yeah. And, and just imagine the exposure today. Like I think people, all of a sudden there's like, okay, social media. And it plays such, I'm a big social media guy. But everybody just funnels on this one thing. Yeah. They forget about... Like, what about the blimp? What about all these other things that you can do to that are a lot of them affordable to get attention, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it's just being different. Let's go over one more marketing strategy. And I want to talk about your employees. Another marketing strategy that I recall you talking about was a coup with the yellow pages. Did, did you negotiate, if I recall correctly, ads on a per call basis yeah. or conversion basis, something like that? Yeah, and let's say Yellow Pages, it doesn't matter what directory that it is. Um, what happened back then is it was actually back in 2008. Yeah. Now, 2008 was the beginning of a recession right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had to make some smart decisions. I mean, I paid, I was up to paying $1.4 million a year in one Yellow Page directory. $1.4 million. Okay, but oh I was gosh. in a bunch of them. So another 400000 and others. And here's what I want everybody to think of, um, and this will apply right to this strategy. I always come from this perspective of what has nobody ever tried to do, and how can I make it compelling enough to partner to do this? And I went and said, well, can we do a cost per call program? They said, no, we don't, we don't do this. And I, and I always say, well, what if we did do it? What would that look like, right? Yeah, 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 I, I love that. It would look like we never did it. And I said, well, when you say never means it's a possibility that we should consider it. And once they say, what does it look like? Now I put a presentation together. Let me show you. And I pulled it off. It saved me $700,000 that year. But I think if you look at that, look at Costco. We were in seven Costco stores, seven Lowe's stores. We were doing um, furnaces and air conditioners for Costco's. Now, you know how big Costco's is. Massive. Those of you that don't know what Costco really is, Costco's was, I don't know if they still are, one of the largest 
distributors of diamonds in the world. Mm. Costco. Most people don't know this. They also sell, I don't drink alcohol, but they sell the most expensive bottles of wine in the world at Costco. But people look at them as this lower buyer. Right. Well, we went to them and me and my team, I got an amazing group of team, Mike Disney and Rob and all our team. And we said, what are we doing for Costco? Here's the question for everybody. What could we be doing for Costco? Mm, mm -hmm. Guess what they weren't doing? They weren't selling water heaters. Okay. So we went to them and said, you know what you're not doing? And they said, what? Selling water heaters. And I want to show you a formula that if we do this, that you do with the furnaces, how we could add millions and millions to you and serve your customers. And guess what they said? Tell me more. Yeah. And then we pulled it off. Now, the cool thing was we pulled that off right before our, uh, our transaction. So, of course, you're buying gold medal and you're like, are you kidding me? You just... You just pulled off something that's going to give us more business from Costco, which was really brilliant. And I just always use that philosophy like, what are we doing? What are we not doing that they've never thought about yet? And that will make everybody that. millions of dollars. And I love it. It goes back to your your experience in martial arts to always be loyal of service. Like even though you had the deal in pocket to sell your company, you're still serving those guys and amplifying the sweetness of the deal without an expectation of return. Let me give you a phrase. Everybody knows this phrase. I think it's a bad phrase. They say, do unto others as they do unto you. Right. That means if somebody looks at you nasty, you should look at them back nasty, isn't it? Yeah, I have yeah. this phrase. Do unto others better than they do unto you, and you'll mm. always win. You'll always mm. win. That's, mm, that's, that's a good point. Lived most of my life is just doing better. Like All I want to know after this episode is like, and you know, I ask, like, what can I do for you? That's, oh, yeah, that's how every the most important thing to me, because as long as I keep serving people, well, then everything will just work out for me eventually for whatever. Well, talk about serving people. I was on a call uh, with a, a these tradies. Uh, that's the um, the Australian term for yeah. tradesmen. And they said, what can I do to amplify my service? And I, I, I said, there's this guy, Mike Aguilario, that you got to copy his strategy of the roll out the red carpet. So here's a, a marketing move. But it's really also a service move. When your guys walk in the door and yourself to the red carpet, can you share yeah. that one? Yeah. So what, and I'll tell you a funny story with it too. Our goal was, you know, everybody goes in and, and they walk into a house and, you know, they wipe their feet on your, on your floor mat. Yeah, you're yeah. wondering, especially if they're a plumber or something, like where were they? What did they step in? Yeah. So we said, well, what do we do this red carpet treatment? I've learned this years ago from people and I'll tell you how it worked out. So what we would do is before we come in the house, we'd say, hey, if it's okay, I'm just going to put this carpet down to clean my feet off because you don't need me to clean my feet on your carpet. So right away, the customer's like, wow, that's, that's very nice. Here's a funny story. One day uh, we're doing a job and the wife comes home and she goes, ah, oh, about time my husband bought a new floor mat i've been waiting talking to him about it for months so i said um mrs i don't remember her name good news and bad news which one you want she <laughs> said well give me the the good news i said well that's a carpet for for sure <laughs> and and it's yours now the bad news is uh it wasn't your husband it was our carpet but i'm gonna give it to you so yeah. i gave her the carpet and then we did probably like $50,000 worth of work for her over the years because of this little $15 carpet. But the goal was, I'll give you another one in this time of year, because I want to give everybody listening some real actionable things, simple ones. This time of the year, right now, I would have the people in my office taking business cards, Mike, yeah. popping a little hole in it, putting a little ribbon and a candy cane on the business card. Yeah. And every door they went to, they would say, 
this is who I am. And there's a little treat for you, little candy cane, just to yeah. say we care. Now it's a 10 cent candy cane, maybe five cent. But the point is it already showed this sense of caring and mm. giving and holiday. And it was just tying a little ribbon and a candy cane onto a business card. Such a simple thing that everybody should consider doing. Like, what is your candy cane? This And this year, I believe more than ever with this, what we're all dealing with, I think caring, just imagine if everybody, social media, everywhere in the world, everybody just said, I'm just going to care 1% more. You change the dynamics of the whole world. Just 1% more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. It, it, it's true. The whole world would change. I, I was talking, I don't know if you know John Rulin, the author of Giftology. Do you know him? Oh, man, I got to, I did, I'll tell you something after you say it, uh, a gift I got my wife. From oh, I want to hear. So, well, okay. So the quick thing is he's like, he goes, it's not a, about a thoughtful gift. It's the thought behind the thoughtful gift. Oh, it's yeah. really specific because any gift is thoughtful, but when you, when you think of how it is of service that person and you really cater to them, the impact is magnificent. So what's your John Rule? Yeah, and I want everybody to look him up right now because not only is he a world-class guy, his company's amazing. So he tells me and he hooks me up with this thing, this mug that you could get made. And I got it made for my wife and he helped me with this thing. And the you, they ask you all kinds of questions and this mug, it's custom and they they carve things in it and it's like a story of your relationship. Yeah. My wife opened this thing. It had the beach. It had us. It had the dog. It had a phrase I wrote to my wife. And it's a custom like clay and it's beautiful. And I'll tell you, it it made an imp- it made something that was memorable versus just something that's just a thankful thing. There's two difference between thankful and really deep, impactful memorable you know yeah yeah yeah. and that's what it does T- tell me the last thing i want to know about gold medals is your employees you had such a loyal and driven yeah. and kind team i met many of those folks H- how do you build a team of employees that act like owners like that yeah and i have some here at ceo warrior that were at gold metal too they they came over afterwards some of them were here before i sold um here's the deal and i was just talking about like people just so you know people want to be they want to follow a strong leader they do yeah they want to know someone's got their back and you're not just a team member and the second thing after a strong leader they want to follow a movement of some kind and gold medal was a movement just like ceo warrior just different movement and what happens is people are just attracted to people that they know will support them in their journey like i fought for the livelihood of every one of my Mm. employees at gold medal and i fight for the livelihood of my employees on my ceo warrior team and when somebody sees that in the world or they hear about that you know and they know you're invested i wasn't invested that they would get the next job done i was invested i mean i watched some of my team at gold medal get married i watched them have babies i watched them buy bigger homes i i watched them put their kids through college like Mm. i was invested in making sure their life was amazing and in the end i always told people like if you wanted to know what my culture was like like if i was standing here and my culture was there and you tried to attack me they would eat your face off before you (laughs) because that's the level I fought for them every yeah. single day. And that's why I say, like, a lot of people are trying to figure out, Mike, the, the, how do you recruit? I say, well, it's, yeah, it's a marketing function, but it's a you function first. Mm. Are, are you somebody they want to work for? 
because if and that's why you want to do recruiting out there like go on social media and show people who you are what you stand for why you do this like what kind of what kind of see i never looked at myself as their boss like oh i pay you your paycheck i always looked at myself as we're partners in this thing Mm -hmm. we're partners in it and i don't want you behind me and i don't want you in front of me i want you alongside of me Mm. let's walk Mm. this together you know, um, I did always remind them, though, if someone's got to go through that front door, you're going to have to move quick because I'm going to be charging toward it, you know, toward, towards whatever we got to break down. But and it wasn't an act, Mike. It was just it was real. That's yeah, it's, it's real. Your authenticity uh, is so consistent. It's, you know, there's a, some people that put on a show, they're showmen, but behind the scenes are different people. I, I have the privilege of knowing you personally, traveling with you, and you are consistently you. You, you sell a company, yeah. you, you could retire. Uh, I, many people may have, but you're yeah. like, no, no, I got to build something bigger and better. You build CEO Warrior. Why? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was already building CEO Warrior for three years before I sold because what happened was, someone just asked me this the other day. My, I was growing a big company and every time I'd get around someone else in the industry, I was like, oh, how's everything going, man? And they're like, Oh, you know, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves, Mike, when they go like this, living the dream. Oh, I hate that. I am going to throat chop you right now. Like, (laughs) like I'm taking you down. I said, that is the worst thing you could ever say in a sarcastic manner. Yeah. yeah, And so I looked at the industry and I went to Rob and said, no one is stepping up to change this thing. Nobody. They're trying to help. But they're helping by comforting. They're they're helping by comforting lies, not hurtful truths. So yeah. I decided I was going to go out there and just I was going to do the starfish story. If anybody knows the starfish story, like I knew I couldn't. Do you know the starfish story? No, I don't. Okay, so I'll tell you the quick version. You guys can look it up. Someone told it to me many years ago. And so this little girl, she's on the beach. There's thousands and thousands of starfish, and she's throwing them back into the water one by one. And this old timer walks up to her her and says, little girl, what are you doing? And she goes, oh, I'm just saving starfish. And he watches, and he goes, little girl, you know you can't save them all. And she goes, oh, I know, but I just saved that one. Hmm. And so my philosophy was, mm. well, I don't know if I could change the world, but let me just go save that one. So I started. And then once I sold, I got to tell you, Mike, I, everybody, people told me, they said, when you sold, I thought you were done and over. Because, I mean, we sold at one of the highest EBITDAs in probably 50 years. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And and they thought I was going to stop. They thought I was going to stop changing the world and changing lives. And I said, I'm not stopping. I'm not even warmed up yet. And I'm still not even warmed up. And so, because, you know, when you know why you exist, you you don't stop why you exist. It would be like stopping breathing. And that's why I, I dug in deeper now in the last three years than ever before. And I believe we're shaking. I mean, we're in five different countries, 40, 41 different industries. Um, we're all over the United States, Australia, Canada, Malta, New Zealand. Um, we are shaking up the whole world with changing lives. You know, it's funny. Like uh, sometimes you see those cartoons where there's like a guy running real hard and then another 
thing or a guy runs by and you see the wind so fast or lips go as they run by. That's what I felt like. I'm building my profits professionals. We hit a million, two million, three million. You start up after us and you come by. I'm like, oh my God, your, your company's grown so explosively. And I wonder if it's, is that why you exist component? If you have to say it succinctly or I probably do, why do you exist, Mike? Yeah. And it's funny because you know me before I do. I started that. Yeah. Like before I started that. So yeah, you got to watch the the whole uh whole journey. Um why do I exist today? Yeah. I always tell people it's one thing. It's to remove suffering. Mm. That's it. It's just to remove suffering. Um I always want to just leave everybody better off than after they met me than before. And I was thinking about this last night because um, I was thinking when I was a kid and my little sister would get hurt or somebody like I was the first one there with band-aids. And I think my parents at one time thought I was going to be a doctor because I was always very like solve and care and, and this stuff. And in the end, I just, I believe I became a different type of doctor. I removed suffering from like, you know, uh, a father, I, I want to remove the suffering from him feeling incompetent or feeling mm -hmm. that he doesn't deserve a bigger company or he doesn't deserve more money or he, or, you know, remove the suffering that he has to tell his family. We can't go on vacation because I got to pay bills. And like all those things that entrepreneurs deal with, like, I just don't want to, if someone wants to send their kid to college, I don't want them to have to say no, or, you know, their mom is sick and they don't have the money to help. And I just know that's why I'm, I'm on the planet. I know that's why I've always been on the planet, but the realization came later. And I mean, I'm doing martial arts 35 years, but when I was uh, 20 years old, I was teaching the D.A.R.E. program to kids that were 14, 15. Wow. They were stuck on, they were, it was their, the D.A.R.E. program was their last thing before they went to either juvenile or tried as an adult. So I would go to the police station and they would stick 10 or 12 kids, real tough bully kids, might've just been doing heroin the other day or got arrested for selling drugs. And I would come in and through just, I always put things over the windows per caring and training and having them punch sometimes till they almost throw up. And I don't know if I saved them all, but I know I saved a few and just tell them that there's, there's another way. Like, I know where you're at. I know you feel you're fighting the world, but let me show you what it could be like. Like I didn't go to jail. I don't, and I'm not judging anybody. Like I've never drank alcohol. I, I never did drugs. I, I don't do caffeine for the last year. I'm gluten-free. Like I put myself through the challenges of things to show others what's possible, you know? Mm. I love it, man. You're throwing starfish back in the ocean. Yeah. Mike, you're the only man with a last name more difficult to pronounce than mine. Mike Aglario, thank you yep. so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been an honor. Okay. So perhaps he's, he's one of my favorite interviews I've done just because th there's nothing that's going to stop this guy. And uh, he's relentless. He, he's just relentless. And, and the results speak for themselves. At least that's what I took away from this. I want to know what you guys uh, took away. Yeah, I really love this one. I thought there were like so many little nuggets. <clears throat> and I loved in general that he felt like he took his challenges and channeled it into drive that led to his success. 
And uh, he made that point about when he was training that his teacher said, um, you know, to be a master is to train for a lifetime and that every day is just about being better today than you were yesterday. Uh, and I think that that's life. It's just this journey where you, you build on your lessons and you just try to be better. Yeah, I love that too. I said the I had had a couple zing moments when he was talking like, uh, is it work or is it training? Mm-hmm. That's a really good one to, <clears throat> to help you re um, give yourself a better perspective on what it is that you're, you're trying to accomplish. Basically. I like that one a lot. Um, and I also love when he said, you don't need to force what you want. You need understanding. So give me a lot to think about. And I love his intensity. He's really, intense. He's intense. yes, really intense. Shlon. Um, I, I really liked, uh, and I know we've discussed this before, but I, th- I think it's really super important is the power of um, sports and martial arts to instill mm. confidence and discipline uh, and take something that might be a negative energy and then turn it into something positive. Yeah. Um, I, I know when I was a kid, I took martial arts and, uh, I was in, I was very, you know, a beginner and they put me in sparring with these guys who were doing it for, you know, months or years and I got the crap beat out of me. And after like the first week, my mom pulled me out of it and I was just so disappointed and sad. And I was like, I didn't care that I got kicked in the nose. I just wanted to get back in there and do, do better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw my cousin who his parents like let him stay in and he went from, you know, kind of being not a bully, but a little bit and, and just having some issues to all of a sudden his grades started to improve. Uh, he started to have more confidence. Uh, he calmed down, you know, and he was paying attention more. Um, and I, I think that's, that's what I picked up from, from Mike's story is he, he got a little bit of that as well. Yeah. And I think like the gift of resiliency in life, like, those are the skills that when you push yourself past the point where you want to give up, that's the thing that as life throws challenges at you, you have faith that you can push through and you don't want to give up. Yeah. It's a discipline to stay with it Mm -hmm. and just show up and show up and show up again. And that's, you know, what we say around here, that's half the battle. Show up, Mm -hmm. show up. For three hours of working out every morning, Amy. You're showing up. I can't believe this. So we have these texts that you know we send back and forth about accountability for exercising every day. And uh, you know, you see like uh Kelsey will say, Oh, I did my hit workout for a half hour. Marek's like, Oh, I'm stretching today. I'm like, Oh, I, I lifted some weights. Amy's like, four hours in the gym. <laughs> 4 like it's what? It's not my idea, let me tell you. I'd be happy there at one one hour and like be ready to clock out. And they're like, oh no, we got like four more supersets to do. Yeah, forever takes forever. And I'm pleading with Christopher. I'm like, I, I have things to do. I'm a mom. I have other jobs. I got. I can't stay here for three hours a day. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, what I liked was Mike transferred anger into output. At least that's how I saw it. That you know, listen, he gets gets attacked by a gang, gets beat up by some guy, uh, and, and a group is holding back and then physically beat him, right? What does he do? He starts learning to defend himself through martial arts. He runs into that same guy that beat him up 
and he wants to thank him for that, for transforming his life. I mean, he didn't thank him, mm. but he didn't, he didn't fight him. He, he didn't have a, exactly. re, he didn't retaliate. He saw it as a channeling opportunity, which is, I think that's extraordinary. And mm. at the very end of the interview, I thought it was fascinating too. I, he, all these successes, the terms he used are very combative, right? So fight, push, determination, um, war, be a warrior. That's repeated over and over. The very end, I said, why, why do you exist? And he's like, oh, it's real simple to remove suffering. Mm -hmm. And to me, that answered every, the entire thing. It's like, oh, he suffered. Oh, mm -hmm. he's got to fix this. He's removing yeah. suffering. And I thought that was, that tied it in all together. Yeah, that was great. Such a good interview. All yeah. right, my friends, we want to know what you learned from this interview. Please uh, post that in the chat, in the chat, in the review that you post because we get to see that. And uh, I really want to invite you to subscribe because that way you won't miss a single episode. Now let's move on to our game of insanity. Is, is it ninja? Game of insanity. I like that. So this is what's funny. So it was going to be on tattoos because he he has tattoos, right? Yeah. But last week I yeah. screwed up, so I had to change it. So it's not about tattoos because we did that in the previous week. Um, so this is going to be a martial arts quiz. Okay. All right. So question. All right. All right. All right. Question number one: In Hawaiian martial arts. Sometimes a leomano is used. What exactly is the weapon made from? Is it coral, bone, or shark's teeth? All right. Don't want to write any. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, it usually takes you about two to get to a good one. That was a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've literally written down every answer. Right, they all make sense. They all make sense. <laughs> yeah. okay. I don't like that seem too obvious, so I tried to go with the non-obvious. <laughs> How can you go with the non-obvious? Coral? Sharks faces? Well, I just think like in a in an island, you would think it would come from the ocean as opposed to a finite resource as animal bone, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. But All right. Would next. they use coral? I don't know. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> We're thinking this one through. <laughs> I'll need to process out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to mess up the pronunciation of this. Uh, what does Tai Chi Chuan translate as? Is it calm and focused? Mental fortitude? or supreme boxing? What was the first one? Shark uh, teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, calm and focused. That's what I thought. Okay, third, last question. In judo, the place you practice is called a dojo. What is the place called where Kung Fu is practiced? Is it a Quan, a Quain, or a Quoon? <laughs> or none of the above? <laughs> Why? <laughs> the laugh? Why is the laughing going on? Like the same thing, which is one letter different. <laughs> Listen, you try and find research. I can't pronounce half this stuff. 
I love like every all three answers the same. Is it a clun, a clun, or a clun? <laughs> no, we answer like no. It's a quain. You lost. <laughs> tough. It is tough. I almost went with a sword question. I'm sorry that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know the answer, so. <laughs> Yeah. Even if I did, I would probably just mispronounce it and it'd be the other answer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Right. What we got? Prepare for me to lose it all. all right. <laughs> so, so all right, first question. In Hawaiian martial arts, sometimes a leomano is used. What is the weapon made from? Shark's tooth. Shark's teeth. It is shark's teeth. <laughs> that's right. Coral was a good guess, though. Man, that's gotta yeah. suck to get hit by that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good weapon. You picked basically rose petals, Kelsey. Like oh. I know. <laughs> I can't see me now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be our tactic. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question two. What does Tai Chi Quan translate as? Common focused. Common focused. Supreme bravery. That wasn't that wasn't an option. What's the last one? Supreme what? Boxing. Oh, boxing. I can't read my own handwriting. Supreme boxing. It, it is supreme boxing, actually. Yeah, it's Sup supreme what? ultimate boxing. Is the translation. Wait. Say the. Say it again. Tai Chi. What? Quan. Chuan. C H U A N. <laughs> U A N. That That's the giveaway. C H U A N. Wait a second. C H U A N. Oh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Not that it should. All right, now for Kelsey's question. In judo, it's called a dojo. What is the place where you practice kung fu called? The Quan. I put a queen. I put a queen. Ah, made fun of my question, and you're all wrong. It's a queen. <laughs> it's a queen. It's a queen. Oh, why that was like a high. I told you so. I think you proved our point. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point, right? <laughs> so here, I'll, I'll it do... was an awful question. You all got it wrong. All right, fine. <laughs> I'll do. I'll do. A, I'll do a bonus question to make it up. Okay. All right. All right. Bonus. Bonus. How many? How many forms are there in Bando, the Burmese martial art? Are there four? Eight or twelve? Twelve. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, I'm gonna go twelve also. Just gonna say eight. There are twelve. <laughs> they are <laughs> they are different aspects of the boar, tiger, patty bird, scorpion, panther, python, viper, deer, cobra, bull, eagle, and monkey. Ah, okay. now we all have to pick what what would you be? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what form would you fight with? That was impressive. Uh, that was impressive. Yeah. So our dear listening friends, what did how many did you get right on that little quiz there? We want to know. Um, again, please subscribe, rate and review. Send us a question. Ask Mike at MikeMcCallowitz.com. What's the biggest challenge you're facing? We want to answer it on this episode or Jeremy and I do a behind the scenes. We can answer on that. But if you don't ask, you don't get. So email me, 
askmikeatmikemichalowitz.com. And uh, I think we're good to go, right, Jay Shalom? We're good. We're good. Amy, you good? I'm good. Kals, you good? Good. We're all good. All right. Wishing you good times. Wishing you good times. Bye, y'all.